Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, this morning, super excited that I get the opportunity uh, to preach uh, and uh, before I get into that, uh, is anyone in here who's game people, like you love games, you're super competitive? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I know they're out there. I know they're out there. So me and my wife are game people. Now you might be wondering, Joe, how do I know if I'm a game person? Uh, if you were playing a game with your significant other and the line between, okay, I really want to win this game and I really don't want to get into a fight tonight. If, if that line's a little blurry for you, then you are like me and you are a game person. There are multiple times, you can, any game, it doesn't matter, we could be playing Uno. I could have skipped my wife three times. If I look at her cards and she's about to win the game, I'm sorry, you gotta get skipped a fourth time, you do. Maybe talk about it later, probably. But did I win? That's the real question. Is it worth it? Uh, but me and my wife are not just game people. We grew up in game families. Are there any game families? Like your whole family is a game. We are a game family. It gets intense. Uh, I just went to Indiana two weeks ago and we played Monopoly for 72 hours straight in my family. I cannot make this up, 72 hours. And, and the question everyone asks when I tell them this is, well, is it one really long game or is it just a bunch of shorter games. We finish every single game. I have stayed up until 3 a.m. with my family playing Monopoly because you have to finish. And we go hard too. Like, it's not like, oh, uh, I have $5 left. I have no more properties. You know, you can just go ahead and take that. I'm going to bed. It's like, I'm going to roll the dice and pray to God that I get a chance card and I get all the money in free parking because I am coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> I swear, you play hard in our family. But if you're not a game person, where are the people who are not game people? You're like, I don't have a competitive bone in my body. You hear stories like this and you're like, I don't get it. It's just monopoly. My response to that is you're right. You don't get it. <laughs> it's monopoly. Why don't you understand? Um, but what's interesting is when you play a game with someone who's maybe not a game person, if, we, if me and you were to play Monopoly, the way that I know that I could win is I would just have to try to outlast you. Like I know that at some point after about two hours, you're gonna wanna go to bed, you are. Me, I'm in it for the long haul. I can be here all night. I'm making breakfast at like 4 a.m. Like let's get some toast, let's make some coffee. We gotta finish this. And the reason why is because it can be really hard, it can be really difficult to try to finish something that you aren't super passionate about. It can be really hard and very difficult if maybe you're not passionate about games, if you're not passionate about it, that, that okay, well, I don't really want to finish the game. To a lot of us, it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but what about if what we're talking about maybe trying to finish strong and, and continue strong in is your marriage? What if the thing that we're talking about that you're not really passionate about anymore, the thing that you actually think, okay, well, well, I don't really know if I wanna do this anymore is your job. What if it's maybe a, a child who you've been waiting for them to come to Jesus and, you, and you're not really as passionate about it as before? So what do we do when we are in a position and we're trying to build something, we're trying to move something forward, but we're not as passionate about it and things start to get hard? and things start to get challenging. And that's where we find the character of our story this morning. And the character of our story goes by the name of Nehemiah. And uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tyler and, uh, had just finished a series, God's Not Done. Did we like that series? That series was amazing, so good. 
Um, it was out of the book of Daniel. And if you know the Bible, then you know that the reason why the Israelites were in Babylon was because uh, this was, they were being exiled. They had, they had made some decisions and this was their punishment. So they were now being exiled. And now in the book of Nehemiah, they've been freed to go back. They're, they're allowed to leave Babylon. But when they get back, what they end up realizing is that this wall, this wall that represents security, this wall that represents God's presence, this wall that is a really, really big deal is completely destroyed. Because who knows when you make some mistakes, it's not just a matter of, okay, well, I'm gonna go back and figure things out, but sometimes things take a process. Sometimes mistakes have some collateral damage. Sometimes mistakes kind of, kind of take a process to get things back to where they were. And in our story tonight in Nehemiah, or this morning, Sorry, we do youth on Sunday nights. So if I say tonight, if I say tonight, forgive me. Don't email us. Uh, Nehemiah 6. Okay, <laughs> God, I'm going to pay for that one. Uh, <laughs> Nehemiah 6, uh, verse 1. It says, When word came to Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. What's important to know is that the doors were usually the last thing to go on. So Nehemiah has basically finished the wall except for the doors. And then opposition came and then opposition found him and then people started fighting him back. And the Bible says, Sambalot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, everyone say the fifth time. Come on, say it like you mean, like you got some coffee this morning. The fifth time, come on. Sambalot sent his aid to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting a revolt. Therefore, you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. And I've even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to fight in us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. Let's pray one more time before the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you that in a time where maybe we're trying to rebuild some things, in a time where maybe we're trying to get back some ground that might have been lost, God, things are gonna get hard. But I pray in those moments, God, we can be like Nehemiah, God, and just pray for more strength, pray for more hope, pray for more healing, God. Do what only you can do, God. And God, I say uh, a special prayer, God, a special prayer, God, for your Los Angeles Lakers, your team, God, because we are struggling. Good God. And just help the Warriors not be that good, God. Let them be good, but not that good. Because I get a lot of text messages from our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just so you guys know about your students, your students are some Warriors fans. Good God. I, yeah. Okay. You're proud. I, I was praying one time, uh, and I do that prayer every single Sunday night, believe it or not. Uh, I pray that prayer every single time. And two weeks ago, a student yelled out, go Warriors. I have never seen a louder group of students. Literally, everyone stood up. Kids are jumping on chairs, fist bumping. I'm like, I need to start every sermon with this. You guys are attentive. 
Uh, has anyone ever been on a YouTube binge? Like to where you just went down a hole on YouTube? Like to where you started off looking at like a normal video, but then by the time it ended, you're like, okay, why are, is everyone in the Illuminati right now? Like has anyone ever did that? Like it's like anyone, just all of you, you're all in the Illuminati, I'm convinced. I was on a YouTube uh, kick a couple weeks ago and I found this guy. Now, I have only seen one or two of his videos, uh, so this is not me saying, hey, go check it out. Uh, but I saw this video of a guy called Mr. Beast. Uh, and yeah, your kids are very excited that I said this right now and I'm, I'm about to explain why. Uh, I found out a lot of our students watch this guy and the reason why is because he does random challenges, like just randomly, like, hey, I'm gonna draw a big circle in a park and I'm gonna have like 50 people sit in this circle and the winner gets $500,000. Like literally, like if you can stay in the circle the longest, $500,000. Who in here would be like, I'd be down for that. I'll try it out, you know, I'll sit, I'll sit. So. I found this video and he brings out this $300,000 green Lamborghini, like this brand new Lamborghini. And he has this challenge where he brings all of these people out and they say, hey, you have to keep your hand on the Lamborghini. And if you can keep your hand the longest, you win it. Like you can keep the car. So they begin to do this. And at the beginning, everyone is like super amped up. Like they're like, oh, I'm for sure going home with it. Uh, there's no way. Like I have way more mental uh, toughness than everyone. I, I did this. So this is why I think that I'm going to win. Uh, but then it begins to be nighttime. And what you end up finding out is people begin to come out because they're like falling asleep and their arm fell off. And then they'll be like, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And they'll show them the video. And they're like, yeah, well, you got to go home. So then they do this and then all of a sudden he begins raising the car. So now people are like holding their hands up high. And what happens that's super funny is that people who were like, I'm not leaving here without the car. I'm not coming out of here without the car begin like bargaining with him. Like, okay, I'm not leaving without a $300,000 car. And then like three hours goes by and they're like, okay, how about 50 grand? Like you got 50 grand on you right now? I'll take 50 grand. And he starts giving it to people. So then by the end of it, there's two guys left and one guy's up there and he's like, hey man, you're about to win. You're about to have the car and his arms are tired. And then he goes, okay, well, how about for like $100,000 on a MacBook? And it's like, dude, you were at the end. Like, what are you doing? And it's funny because everyone was so into it. Everyone was so excited at the beginning. But then once they realized, oh, there might be, there might be something better that I can just get and I can go home, even though it's not the car, like, oh, I'll just get, I'll take 50 grand. And what's interesting is that one of the easiest ways for the enemy to kind of take you away from God's plan for your life is to get you to try to compromise what you originally wanted and leave what God's called you to build. Now, what's interesting about this whole story is that, God can't, you can't build what God has called you to build if you're not in the place that God has called you to be. Now, a lot of us are waiting to get to a place before we begin building what God has called us to build. Like, okay, once I get that job, well, once I get that marriage, or once I'm in that person's situation, well, then I can begin to build what God has called me to build. But what's interesting about the story with Nehemiah is that in order for him to go with these men, in order for Nehemiah to be with these men, what he would have had to do is he would have had to abandon the very thing that God had entrusted him to build. So the question I have to ask, the question that I have to ask here 9 a.m. at Mission Church on a Sunday morning is have you begun to abandon the very things that God has entrusted you to build? Now, why is this an interesting question? Because a lot of times we think about abandonment as just, okay, well, I, I'm leaving. 
a lot of times we think of abandonment. Well, well, I haven't abandoned anything. I'm still at this job, even though I don't want to be there. I'm, I'm still doing these things, even though I don't want to be there. But who knows, you can still be in the same marriage. You can still be in the same job. You can still be in the same situation and be careless and be reckless and be abandoning what God has called you to build. So maybe you haven't gotten any moving trucks, but have you stopped listening to your spouse? Maybe you haven't planned a cross-country move, but as your job turned into, okay, I just clock in and I clock out. And the first thing, we're gonna talk about three things you have to keep when times get hard, three things you have to keep when opposition comes. And the first one is you have to keep your position. You have to keep your position. They begin to call on Nehemiah. They say, Nehemiah, we want to meet with you. Hey, Nehemiah, leave the wall. What's interesting is that he says that they sent him this letter four times. Can I encourage you this morning? Just because opposition keeps calling, that doesn't mean that it's time to answer. Just because opposition keeps calling you and saying, hey, hey, leave what God's called you to build, that doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. What's crazy about this story is that they don't call Nehemiah if the wall wasn't almost done. They don't call Nehemiah if the wall wasn't actually being built, if it wasn't being built the way that God called them to build it. So if you were being called by opposition, it might not be because it's time for you to leave. It might be because it's time for you to stay. It might be because you were almost done doing what God has called you to do. So four times they send him this message. Four times, Nehemiah, come with us. Nehemiah, we need you. Nehemiah, you don't need to be there. They don't even want you there. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. And four times, Nehemiah sends them the exact same message back. Why should the work stop? Why should the work stop? Nehemiah, we, we want you to come meet with us. We, we, we believe that you're doing something fishy out there. Wait, no, 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 I'm doing something too important here. Why should the work stop? May we be people that when opposition calls, that that be our response. When people say, hey, your marriage is over. Your spouse is never gonna forgive you for that mistake you made. Hopefully we can be people that say, you know what, you might be right, but why should the work stop? When people say, oh, your kids are never gonna come to know Jesus. You're wasting your time. They're older now, let them learn on their own way. Let us be people that say, you might actually be correct, but why should the work stop? When we're in our jobs and people say, no, they're never gonna look at you the way they look at other people. You're never gonna get that promotion. You're never gonna get that opportunity. May we be people that say, you know what? You might actually be right, but if God has called me here, why should the work stop? Faith is not shown in a moment. Faith is shown in your repeated actions of your character. So what's interesting is that the question is not, where do I have to go in order to build what God's called me to build? The question is not, what job do I have to have? The question is not, who do I need to manipulate? Who do I need to, who do I need to network with? That is not the question. The question is, can you remain engaged where you are? Can you remain engaged in a marriage that seems like it's over? Can you remain engaged in a job that really doesn't look like it's going anywhere? Can you remain engaged in a situation that you've prayed over, prayed over, prayed over, and nothing seems to be working? Nehemiah is able to finish the wall. He's able to finish what God had called him to build because he kept his position. And as the story continues, it says, then the fifth time, Sambalot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting a revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king, 
and you've even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up in your head. Uh, now I played sports growing up and there was always this thing that people would talk about uh, called the intimidation factor. Have you ever heard of the intimidation factor? To where it's like, okay, you gotta try to scare your opponent. You gotta try to make them be afraid of you. Now, if I can be completely honest, I did not fully believe in the intimidation factor because I personally am not that intimidating. I'm not the guy that people are afraid of. I'm not the guy that people walk in and they're nervous. I'm the guy that like daps them up and smiles. Like, hey, hope you have a good game, sir. Uh, but, then I heard about a guy named Mike Tyson. And I was like, man, this guy is scary. And I was at my, one of my basketball uh, before our games, our coach would kind of play this video in order to amp us up, in order to get us going. So I actually sent the video in. So here's the video that he sent in. Then once I see a chink in his arm, boom, and one of his eyes may move, and then I know I have him. And then when he comes to the center of the ring, he still looks at me with his piercing look and as if he's not afraid, but he already made that mistake when he, when he looked down for that one-tenth of a second. I know I had him. He'll fight hard for the first two or three rounds, but I know I already broke his spirit. That's scary. <laughs> Can we admit that? That is terrifying. He says, I looked at him, I look at him, I look at him. And then the minute that he looks away, oh, I know I got him. And then he tries to look back like he's, like he's not scared, but I know he's scared. And then I know once I get in the ring, I'm going to win. I'm like, wow, dude, you're intense. <laughs> Sheesh, that is scary. That is not a guy you want to go to coffee, coffee with when he's upset. And the whole point of this intimidation factor is to get you to be afraid before you even step into the battle. It's to get you to be afraid before anything can happen. Now, everything about this verse in the story that we just read, everything was them trying to use the intimidation factor. How do I know? First of all, it says that the letter was unsealed. So four times they send him the letter, but the fifth time they sent it unsealed. What does this mean? In Bible times, letters were sealed with a purpose. They were sealed with clay. There was a process to sealing letters. There was a process to opening letters. So if you sent someone a letter that was unsealed, what that actually meant was that, that you thought they were inferior to you. It actually meant, oh no, you're, you're just too, I'm not even worried about you. I'm just gonna send you this letter. Not only that, but a letter being unsealed meant that everyone could read it. So what this now means is this has just went from a text to a tweet. Like they just called Nehemiah out. Like they're like, Nehemiah, this is all, we're gonna let everybody know your business right now. Not only that, but the context of the letter, they say, Nehemiah, we hear the only reason you're doing this, you're not really doing this for you. You just want them to make you their king. Actually, you've even had prophets that are ready to declare as soon as the wall is done, God told us Nehemiah should be the king. And then a fifth time, they say, come with us. You don't, you don't need to be there. They, you can't handle this on your own. Let, let us take care of it for you. Everything about this letter was to intimidate Nehemiah. Because if the enemy can't get you to leave your position, well, then he'll try to make you feel insecure where you're at. Insecurity, I wrote down a thought about insecurity. Insecurity, or there are a few things that are more silent and subtle, and yet as damaging and dangerous as insecurity. Insecurity will make you question your decisions. Insecurity will make you question your motives. Insecurity will make you question your purpose. 
I've seen a lot of people make damaging mistakes because of addiction, because of their tendencies, because of their desires. I've seen a lot more people make decisions and poor decisions and damaging decisions because of their insecurity, because they felt that no one wanted them there, because they felt that no one cared about them. Have you ever made that statement of, well, I don't need to serve in church because they got enough going on? Have you ever made the statement, well, no, well, you don't understand what's going on in my marriage. They, they don't care about me. What is that? That is insecurity. Have you ever made a statement, well, I don't care about what's going on in my job. They don't even notice me. I, I work. I come to this nine to five, and I never even get noticed. I never get the emails. I never get the employee shout outs on the weekends. What is that? That is insecurity. And the second thing you have to keep when things get hard is you have to be able to keep your confidence. You see, there are few things that are as damaging as insecurity, but there are a few things that are as powerful as confidence. You see, insecurity can close some doors, but confidence can open some doors. Now, five, four times they had sent Nehemiah this letter, and Nehemiah responded the exact same way. Why should the work stop? Nehemiah, you have to leave. Why should the work stop? Nehemiah, we need you here. Why should the work stop? But the fifth time, he began to respond with some passion. He began to respond with some strength. He even began to put some exclamation points in that bad boy. He began to say, hey, no, 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 what you're saying is not true. Why? Because what they decided to do in the fifth time was attack his character and his confidence. Showing me that the two things that you have to guard as you are going throughout your week are your character and your confidence. But what's interesting about our world is that they don't tell you, hey, you should be able to risk everything to hold on to your character and your confidence. But what they actually tell you is, hey, you should risk your character and your confidence in order to get everything. Hey, you, don't even worry about that, that, that picture you're going to put. Like, don't even worry. It's going to get you to the next level. Don't even worry about if, if they even notice if you even took that little bit of money. You need that because the holidays are coming up and you don't know how big your bonus is going to be. They're not, they're not even going to notice it. But what's interesting is Nehemiah responds with passion he responds with, with girth. He responds with strength because they attacked his character and his confidence. He's able to keep both and still do what God has called him to do because of his ability to speak truth over his life. I was dealing with anxiety a few years back, and this wasn't just like, oh, I'm nervous before work or I'm nervous before a game. This was like, like clinical anxiety. I was struggling. I, was, I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't eating. I couldn't work. I couldn't focus. And I decided to go see a therapist because something that I heard a pastor say was you got to make sure you take a break before something breaks. Like literally got to make sure that you, you make sure you take a break before you get overwhelmed and something breaks, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, whether it's your relationships with your family. So I began to go to a therapist and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, anxiety lives off lies. Insecurity lives off lies. Depression, it breathes, it lives off lies. But the way that you kill it is with the truth. So what was happening over my life was I would say, oh, this is gonna be like this forever. I'm, I'm gonna be anxious forever. I'm gonna have to deal with this. And in my marriage, I'm gonna be anxious forever, which if we're being completely honest, usually isn't the case. Usually seasons pass. Usually things do get better. So what he was telling me was you have to be able to speak truth over your life. You have to be able to say, no, I might be struggling with anxiety now, but I believe that I can have peace. And something I tell our students every single week, they're probably tired of me hearing it, is I say, if you tell yourself something enough, eventually you're gonna believe it. So if you're telling yourself, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna amount to anything, my, my, family, my family is over, everything that I've tried, it's done, it's, it's never gonna be the same, guess what? You might not have believed it the first time, but eventually you will. 
But if you tell yourself, oh, I'm called by God. God has a plan for my life. I believe that I can do something in this world. Guess what? You might not have fully believed it the first time, but eventually you will. Eventually you'll get your confidence. Nehemiah is able to do amazing things for the gospel because he kept his position and he kept his confidence. And the last one is I invite the band up and we begin to close. Our story ends after the fifth letter, it says, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You were just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Uh, does anyone have like a really like positive person in their family. Like they're like the, the positive person. Like we can be honest, they're too positive. Like it's like, if there's anything I've heard over the last week, you guys, Mission Church is a positive church. It could be pouring down rain. Hey, do you, this weather is terrible, isn't it? It's raining so hard. Well, yeah, but we need it. It's like, do we? I mean, I know we do, but do we? Yes, yes, we do, apparently, positive. Todd's a positive guy, you're positive. I had a positive friend in college and this guy was like over the top positive. And I think that like when you think, oh, the positive person, we all have like a mind in our head, like multiply that by a hundred. This is how he would start every conversation. It didn't matter where you were. It didn't matter if he knew you. It didn't matter if you, were, if you had headphones in. This is how he would start every single conversation. Hey, are you having the best day of your life? That's how he would start every conversation. It did not, I cannot make this up. Everywhere you went, hey, hey you, Joe, 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 are you having the best day of your life? How do I answer that? I have no idea. Cause I either have to say yes. And he would say, why? So one time I thought I had him. I said, okay, are you having the best day of your life? No, aw, why, dude? I don't want to talk about this. So one time I was like, all right, I'm going to stump him. I got him. I'm going to stump him. Nobody else is willing to stump him, so I'm going to stump him. So I'm in the courtyard, and I'm walking to class, and I'm in college, and I have my headphones in, which can we all agree having your headphones in is a universal sign for please don't talk to me. Please. Please. Most of the times I don't even have anything on. I just want to walk in silence. Please. So I have my headphones in, and he runs up, and he taps me on the back. And he goes, hey, Joe, are you having the best day of your life? And I respond and I say, yes, but Nick, his name was Nick. Nick, are you having the best day of your life? And he looks at me and he thinks for a little bit. And I'm like, I got him, he's stumped. And he goes, huh, no, but God is good, isn't he? I'm like, Nick, you are too positive. You're way too positive, man. But the reason why we loved him, the reason why he was an amazing guy, the reason why we always kept him around was because it didn't matter what type of day he was having, he was always gonna be positive. It didn't matter if it was the worst day, he was, he was gonna ask you if you had the best day. He was always gonna be positive. Now, Nehemiah in this story is exhausted. He's dealing with all of these issues all while trying to build the wall that God has called him to build. And these people keep attacking him. And what we see is he just begins to get tired. 
He just begins to get exhausted and, and he says this statement. He says, they do all of this. They're trying to make you leave the position. They're trying to make me feel insecure. They're doing all of this so that my hands will get weak so we can't build what God's called us to build anymore. If I can be completely honest with you, everything that we talked about this morning, from insecurity to leaving your position to having your confidence, all of it can be boiled down to what do you do when your hands get tired? I've seen marriages end because of tired hands, because of not wanting to go on anymore. I've seen people lose their jobs over tired hands and not being able to keep their character. I've seen people walk away from calling and ministry, people who are amazing preachers, people who are amazing pastors. They walked away from the church because of tired hands. But what does Nehemiah do? He doesn't pray, hey God, will you take this enemy out for me? He doesn't pray, hey God, just, just kind of kick them out. God, I know you can strike them down, but what does he say? He says, God, I'm tired. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm upset. But will you strengthen my hands? But will you make my hands stronger? Can I encourage you this morning? Your ability to get through what you are going through is not gonna be on your ability to stand tall. It's not gonna be on your ability to be bigger and badder than everyone else to be able to power through opposition. It's actually gonna be in your ability to be able to get on your knees and say, God, I am struggling. God, I don't know what to do. God, I might not know what to do next, but will you strengthen my hands? What if instead of praying for God to remove your problems, you instead ask for God to strengthen your hands? What if instead of asking God, my, my marriage might be over, God, I, I don't know what's going on in my marriage, God, but before we even talk about divorce, God, I'm gonna exhaust every option. Will you strengthen my hands? God, I, I don't know what's going on in this job. I, I feel like I'm overlooked. I feel like I'm supposed to go somewhere else, but if you haven't called me anywhere else yet, God, I'm gonna be engaged. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be present. I'm gonna do my best, God, but will you strengthen my hands? And point number three, the last thing you have to keep when you're maybe going through a hard time is you have to keep your spirit. You have to keep your spirit. They tried to take everything from Nehemiah. They tried to take his reputation. What's interesting about this story and, and earlier in the chapters, they actually did try to, you know, just kind of attack him and take him out. Uh, but what's interesting about this story is they began to attack him in different ways. They tried to attack his character. They tried to take his confidence. They tried to take his security. But Nehemiah says, hey, you can take anything you want, but you're not gonna take my spirit. You can take the wall, you can, take, you can try to take me out, but you're not gonna take my spirit. The Bible is full of stories of people who are going through a hard time, who were struggling, who should have quit, but they didn't let anybody take their spirit. Joseph was able to interpret dreams in a prison. Even though he had been sold into slavery, he's able to save an entire nation, why? Because he kept his spirit. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, God, if there's any other way, praying for it, any other way but the cross, God, to the point that it's, the Bible says he was sweating blood. Is there any other way, God? I don't wanna go to the cross. I don't wanna do this. But God, your will, not mine. I'm gonna keep my spirit. In the book of Hebrews, it ends, the hall of faith. It talks about people after people after people and it ends with people who lost their lives, who were tortured, who were flogged, who were crucified, who were killed. But it says the world wasn't worthy of them. It says the world didn't even deserve them. They paid the ultimate sacrifice, but they got the ultimate reward. Why? Because they kept their spirit. So the question is, can you keep your spirit? When you're going through hard times, can you keep your spirit? When it feels like your marriage is over, can you keep your spirit? Can you keep your spirit? And the story ends 
we have the most important verse in the entire story. Without this verse, without this verse, this story doesn't even matter. Without this verse, Nehemiah's story is never even told. And in verse 15, it says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Just so you know, 52 days was a really short time to complete the wall. Because God has the ability, even though you might be going through opposition, even though things might be attacking you, God has the ability to press forward on some things. So some of you might be in here, this isn't even in my notes, some of you might be in here and you're thinking your time is done. You're thinking you waited too long. You, oh, I wish I would have known this earlier. I wish I could have known this earlier. Can I encourage you? God can fast forward on some things that people might tell you might be done. You might be in here and think God doesn't have a plan for my life anymore. No, God has the ability to press fast forward. God has the ability to move things forward. He has the ability to accelerate some things. And the Bible says it took 52 days when all of our enemies heard about this, when all of our enemies heard that the wall was finished, all of the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Do you want opposition to lose its confidence? You gotta finish building. Do you wanna make your marriage maybe get healed and be restored? You gotta finish building. Do you want your children to come to know Jesus even though you pray for them day after day after day? You gotta finish building. You cannot reap the fruits of a wall you never finished. You cannot reap the fruits of a wall that you quit on. Tyler said this last week, if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. If you keep going, you win. A lot of us are wondering why we keep losing. It might be because you keep quitting. But if you don't quit, you win. God will move in your life. But the questions you have to ask yourself, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what I'm going through, can I keep my position? Can I stay where I am? And not only just stay, can I be engaged? Can I be present? Can you keep your confidence? When things begin to attack, when things begin to try to make you feel insecure and small and like you don't belong, can you talk truth over yourself and say, no, 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 I believe God has a plan for me here. And can you keep your spirit? Because if you can keep all three of those things, the wall will be completed. Come on, can we begin to stand to our feet and we're gonna pray in closed service. And there's two questions that I wanna ask and the first one is maybe you're up here and, or maybe you're in here and you've never given your heart to Jesus. And I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today. And what we say in our youth ministry is we say, giving your heart to Jesus means two things. We say the first one is it means, Jesus, can you come into my heart? God, there are things in my heart that I need you to heal. There are things in my heart that I need you and I cannot fix them without you. That's what we say. And the second thing we say in our youth ministry is that when you accept Jesus into your life, that you're saying, Jesus, will you come into my life? There may be behaviors that I have that I wanna turn away from. Repenting just means to turn away. It just means to walk towards Jesus, walk away from what the world has for you and walk towards what God has for you. And if you're in here today and you wanna do that, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. I'm gonna to count to three and I'd love for you to just raise your hand. We're not gonna ask you to say anything. I, I just wanna make sure I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. It's awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand couple more seconds. Amazing. You can put your hands down. And the second question that I want to ask is maybe you're up here and you're going through a hard time. Once again, I'm not going to ask you to tell us your situation. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and, and talk about what's going on in your life, but maybe you're going through a hard time and you just say, you know what, I want to get prayer. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. Once again, I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want to know who I, exactly I'm praying for. And if that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, two, three. 
amazing. God, I thank you. I thank you for every single person in here, God, who has a calling, who has a purpose, and who you've entitled and given something to build, God. Help us to build that to the best of our ability, Jesus. I pray, God, that when opposition comes, God, we can keep our uh, position. We can keep our position. We can stay where we are, God, and we can keep our confidence because of who you've called us to be. Remind us of that, Jesus. And God, I pray over every single person in here, God, that you help us to keep our spirit. When things in our lives tell us that it's over, that we can't go on, God, help us to keep our spirit. When things in our lives act like that, maybe redemption can't happen, maybe we've gone too far, God, help us to keep our spirit. When there's moments in our lives that we're thinking about the mistakes that we've made five, 10, 20 years ago, God, help us to remember that in a new creation, God, you have said that the old has passed away, that the new has come, God. Help us to keep our spirit. Do what only you can do in our lives. Do what only you can do in our church, God. In Jesus' name, come on, and all God's people said. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.